Hey, here we are. Episode six on the Broker MC's podcast. I'm Alan. I got Professor McLean with me over here. What's up? I'm McLean. We got Joey Bagadonas, Harrison Smith on the other mic. How you doing? Editing, producing. Keep it moving. If y'all can see this guy right now, he looks like a... Uh, What'd you say, Brian? He's a walking hangover. <laughs> I look absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> this guy punched an agave plant last night, guys. Just one of them. I won, though. Have you ever seen dog shit that's been run over? <laughs> Very. Right there. Boom. Tire Keeping tracks. casual today. <laughs> that's your new it. nickname, Tire Tracks. I don't like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. I'd say we switch things up today. Usually, we go through residential, mortgages, commercial, little cliffhanger here and there, and we talk about all of Austin. But today, you know, Brian had a great idea. The professor, he said, you know, what's the one thing that's really struggling right now? And yeah, I felt like one thing that there's been a lot of confusion about big confusion. And then for the buyers, it's almost like throwing gas on a fire. And that's it's the appraisal process. Oh, Um, (laughs) it's not a process. (laughs) It's it's more like an epidemic. So I felt like, you know, if, if, you know, our whole objective here is is to help people understand our market and help people understand uh, real estate in general. I, I feel like this is a topic that would be great for uh, consumers and, and, and new agents. Yeah. Everyone in general to understand number one, what is actually going on? What was the norm, you know, that we saw before COVID and, and then what did we see, you know, after COVID and, and as we approach the market that we're heading into? Well, so let's, my dad always said, you know, there should be a, a, a you hit all the questions of any kind of topic. So we're going to start with the first one. Why? So the, the whole Why? point of an appraisal was because, Lenders wanted a third party um, to tell them what the value of the property is that they're about to tie a mortgage into and, and put a, a lien on. Right? For 30 years. That's right. And so, <laughs> Give or take. you know, the third party concept obviously is the most critical piece um, because they, they truly have to be, you know, somewhat detached from these lenders. Um, and, you know, just to, to clarify to everyone any given lender cannot just select an appraiser. You have, right. There's groups of them. It all has to be technically a third party. They mm-hmm. have to have a group with X amount in them. Um, it would be nice for the lender to be able to have a second, like another office in the same building. Oh, there's our appraiser right over there. Let's go just literally lock his door and that say. That would lead to collusion. Right. right? Yeah. And, and Trek, obviously, you know, they, they promulgate over lenders. They promulgate over us as real estate brokers. And they, they definitely... Uh, you know, promulgate over appraisers, right? And mm-hmm. it's all designed to protect the consumer, actually, right? And so what that physically means is that, you know, appraisers usually come in after the option period, right? And and we talked about option state here in Texas. But so w- real quick, when is the appraisal ordered? So that's a good question. What right? process? What? So let's, let's talk about- And who the, does that? Let's talk about the when. Okay. Okay. So appraisers- were typically contacted after option. Okay. And here's why. Because appraisals are not free. They cost back in the day they were about 750 bucks. Now they're they're a comma. They're they're a thousand dollars. Um and and Give the reason take. why they were normally um you know solicited after option was because that buyer may terminate during option. That's why they call it option. They have the option to stay in contract or get out of the contract. So you wouldn't want to cough up $750 and order an appraisal um, if you were you know, potentially going to terminate the contract. Also, you definitely didn't want to order it because you could potentially lose leverage. And let me explain what that means. So imagine if you're under contract and you're in option, you've got the inspection done, you've got the report in your hand, mm-hmm. and you're telling that seller, 
I'm going to lower the price by $10,000 because of these repairs. <laughs> Imagine if they catch wind, the appraisal's already been ordered. They're mm. like, ah, this person's going to buy this property. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and imagine what leverage you've lost. And and I say that with with absolute knowledge because it, it's happened to me once. A lender yeah. ordered an appraisal without my explicit um, knowledge, and we were still an option. And and we, you know, trying to still leverage for those repairs at the time was incredibly challenging, mm -hmm. right? But anyways, more importantly, it's about not wanting to cough up, you know, seven hundred fifty to a thousand dollars on your credit card when. You and who pays for that? So, okay, let's talk about that. So the who on the appraisal. Now, all of that is funded through the lender, but passed into the consumer, right? And right. so um, I think our next topic- Is that done at closing? It, typically, you see it on the on the settlement statement, yeah. right? Um, along with the, the lender's origination fees and everything else that goes along with that. And to me, that's another separate topic. I feel like we should really break down you know, oh, yeah. a settlement a closing, statement. Right, yeah. yeah. And then go specifically into like lender fees. Right. Because mm -hmm. I feel like every consumer out there, uh, I don't want to, I don't want to give up the lender fees, <laughs> whether they do or don't, they all feel like they know realtors fees. You know what I mean? Exactly. Realtor commissions. Yeah. Everyone talks about commissions. People even talk about closing costs. No one actually, rarely does someone actually know physically what that means. Now we have fancy apps that can show breakouts and stuff like that right. to consumers. But Lenders origination points and and lender fees are are a bit of a, a kind of a dark black hole, you know, mm -hmm. and, and consumers definitely don't know what negotiations they have with particular lenders. Right. And and one of those could be the cost of an appraisal. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Um, it could be how you close the deal. That's right. Hey, we'll raise we'll we'll waive those fees for you. But so, you know, just as the consumer pays for the inspection, um, the consumer is paying for that appraisal because that appraisal has to be paid. Then it doesn't, they, they, they don't wait till the closing date. That's right. Yeah. I mean, it's just got to get paid by somebody. So um, let's talk about the. Well, the I have a question real quick. Okay. Who does the appraisal? Is it a. So how does that person, guy or, or, or girl, how do they become appraisal? Mm -hmm. So they, they go through a, a licensing process. Okay. Right. So they, they have to have education and they have to pass an exam. Okay. They also have to have continuing education, very similar to real estate brokers and agents. Right. Yeah. Every right? year, so, October. Right. Um, they are, it, they are licensed appraisers. Okay. Right. Um, and, and just so you know, inspectors are licensed as well. Okay. Uh, the process is somewhat similar, um, and, and Trek, you know, mandates all of that, right. right? Texas real estate commission. Mm -hmm. So, um, so let's, let's kind of go through the timeline of that appraisal process before COVID. And mm -hmm. I, and I put a strong asterisk <laughs> on before COVID. Okay. Yeah. So a very, um, traditional, real estate transaction, we're talking residential here, uh -huh. is that uh, the person goes under contract, right? They they immediately start the option. They period. find their home. They're like, hey, I like it. Let's offer. Let's That's make right. an offer. You know, they, they might have had some negotiations back and forth. Mm -hmm. And and now they're they have an executed contract, okay. right? The, the contract is that title. Um, the option money, earnest money are deposited, right? The, mm -hmm. the contract is then consummated. And the option begins. Okay. Right. So they get through the option process. And that earnest money has a time limit on it. Correct? The earnest money is bound to the terms of the contract. Right. Mm -hmm. So contract's 30 days out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So so again, the moment and 30 days is is I'm glad you brought that up because that would be the a, a very typical closing date. I mean, if we, we're not really supposed to say the word standard, <laughs> but if you were to see a quote unquote not stand, I'm just <laughs> a standard contract before COVID. Before COVID, 
uh, terms would be something like a seven day option and a 30 day close. Okay. You would see that, you know, 90% of the time with a traditional mortgage. Okay. Right? Um, and now I think we, we need to backtrack at some point and talk about loan to value, right? Because, right. And, and I think we'll get through that in a second, but let's say we're in a very stereotypical situation where the mm. person is putting 20% down and they are leveraging 80% with the lender, right? Mm -hmm. um, very, very stereotypical uh, transaction. Okay. So you get past option and the appraisal is ordered mm -hmm. and the lead time for appraisals used to be two weeks, right? And, and that kind of makes sense. It made a nice little flow. One week of option, order the appraisal, uh, two weeks later ish, you know, mm -hmm. 10 to 14 days it's done appraisals done. And oftentimes it was bounced to the lender within a day or two. Right. Right. Um, cause they're doing it on site. I mean, they're whatever they're, you know, right. their appraisal, they still have to write it up right. for the, per their promulgated form. But that, right? I mean, um, and so they get that back to the lender. The lender then takes that. That's the final piece usually that he needs to underwrite the loan. Mm -hmm. Um, and then once the loan is underwritten, now we know in truth and lending laws that you have three days, um, where the lender has to produce the final closing disclosure, uh, after underwriting right. in order to close with title. Yep. Right. So that was a, a typical process. Now let's talk about what the appraiser physically does. Okay. So, um, there's multiple ways to define the price of a property. I'm not supposed to use the word value, okay? Right. Um, even though it shows up on the lender's report, okay? But ultimately, they are going to assess a value, value period, right? Now, it's so funny that brokers aren't supposed to say that word anymore, <laughs> but whatever. Okay, so at the end of the day, they're going to assess a value. Right? Value. <laughs> and <laughs> the, the there are three primary ways for an appraiser to determine that value are comparative market analysis, which most people shorten to the term comps. Comps, right? right? The second is replacement value, which is very rarely used. But it, the concept is how much would it take to acquire that piece of dirt and reconstruct that property exactly as it is? How much would that cost? Okay. Right. Uh, the other is the income approach, right? So if you have an income producing asset, whether it's residential, commercial, um, you can take a capitalization rate or what they usually do is a gross rent multiplier, right? So, uh, and I say that I just, I closed the duplex, um, in March and, and the appraiser did the gross rent multiplier, which okay. is basically if the rent that is established there is X amount, they multiply it by Y, which is a, you know, whatever factor based on where that property is and says, okay, here's that value. Okay. Now, so when they do the obviously the comparative market analysis is used the majority of time right uh, you typically see the other ones when you get into properties where uh comps are difficult to find or let's say you're trying to uh an appraise a church right or or something that is not a a very easy item to have a comparative market to comp against comp, right? comp being used also when you go to list it i mean you're using that on multi levels sure of course uh, yeah, brokers and real estate agents use them all the time. And, and so, um, and buyers and, do too. So typically they're going to take five comps. Uh, they're going to toss out the kind of the high and low and use the three in the middle. Right. <laughs> and, um, they're going to do a, 
what I call an apple to an orange comparison, okay. right? Especially if the size is different, if there's facets about the property that are different, they are going to adjust and do a plus delta based on that sold comp. It has to be sold, by the way. They will okay. look at pending and, and other active markets, but that is not it. The key is sold. And we'll get into why that was in, became an issue during COVID. Okay. okay? So, um, and then anyway, so then they produced their singular number. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I'm going to uh, go back a year and a half ago. The Austin market at the time, the average price home was $400,000. Okay. So I'm going to use that exact number. So let's say uh, consumer A is under contract for $400,000. Okay. If the appraisal comes in less than that, there is a clause that says the buyer has the right to terminate. Okay. So that is a very key element. It's designed to protect the consumer. It's designed to protect the lending institution. And hence why the appraiser is a third party, right? Because lenders want to know that they're that the the money that they're putting um, as a lien on this particular property, if there is an event, and let's say the person has to foreclose, or let's say the individual for whatever reason has to relinquish that asset and the lender takes control of it. Well, lenders don't just own property. They instantly turn around and have to sell it. And they want to make sure that their their money is protected within that asset. Right. right. And so likewise, consumers, it was designed the same way where, you know, if you're under contract and the appraisal comes in short, they have the right to physically terminate the contract and still get their earnest money back. OK. OK. Now, if they do not, then the lender is only going to lend up to that appraised value. And then the expectation is the consumer, the buyer has to cover the remainder in cash. You saw a lot of that during COVID. So, yeah. So, um, so let's talk about um, how this process became a lot more convoluted during the, during COVID. Right. And so we talked very specifically about and, and, reduction in listings, a major influx in buyers and consumers coming to town um, from the California area, the Houston area, and then just, you know, your typical consumers that buy and sell real estate every year as well right. with a lack of product online. And what that meant for equitable gain that we saw that that 8% that we talked on very, very specifically uh, per month since Christmas, right? So the lending and the appraisal process became convoluted in two ways, in my opinion. Number one, you had very deep pockets coming to town, um, especially from California, from New York City, um, whether they you know, already had um, cash to spend or whether they sold an asset there and then had cash to spend. They came here spending cash. OK, and nine times out of 10, a seller is going to take a cash offer for two reasons. Number one, they can close tremendously quicker. We talked about that 30 day quote unquote standard right. based on the timeline to get the appraisal done, right? Well, a cash buyer does not need an appraisal because they are not lending and they don't need a lender to have a third party appraisal. Okay. Makes sense. And more importantly, so, you know, a typical cash buyer, if it's not in an HOA and you don't and the title doesn't have to extract HOA documents, I've seen one where they went under contract on Friday and closed on Monday. Wow. Right. Now, that's that's speed to market. But yeah. if you have an HOA 
title has to extract those documents because they're part of the deed. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? And that typically takes a week or so, right? So a typical even still, that's still a typical quick. cash closing, you know, could 10 to 14 days, yeah. very much normal, right? Mm -hmm. Um, so that is an element. And if a seller has an acquisition to go after or or needs that cash for whatever reason, that that's imperative, you know, to 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 get that cash. But also what we saw was if properties are appreciating at 8% per month, imagine in January and February where let's say you get 20 plus offers, okay? And they're all above asking price and lenders have to use sold comps. Well, what if you're in a neighborhood where there are no sold comps that state that this property should sell for $150,000 over asking price, right? Now you're putting the jet, now you are putting the ability for that consumer to make it to closing possibly in that appraiser's hands, right? Exactly. And they wanted to take that out and they said, okay. So again, people were going with these cash buyers very frequently, mm -hmm. especially in those early spring months, right? Um, and we saw it on the lending side for sure. Sure. And then what you also saw was consumers understanding if yep. they are using lending that they have to compete with these cash buyers. And how do you compete with a cash buyer? Well, you waive your right to terminate due to a lender's appraisal. You say, I'm going to, I'm going to take that out away that the, the mm -hmm. cash buyers don't have that out. I don't, I don't get that <clears throat> out to compete with them. But what we also saw was appraisers got very, very far behind. And so that lead time is still behind. Yeah, they are. The, the lead time went from 14 days to 21 days. And then sometimes we've seen it extend way beyond that. And um, that causes um, that causes a lot of issues within a contract, especially for the seller. Right. Because they their whole um, reason to sell the property was, you know, to to get the financial gain from the transaction. And when you mm -hmm. start extending that for X amount of weeks, that becomes challenging, you know, right. on, on all sides. Right. So what we saw was um, lenders and consumers having to pay expedited fees to try to get the appraisal done quicker. We just and, paid one yesterday. That's right. And then now we've started to see appraisers say there is no expedited fee. We're not expediting anything <laughs> like you and everyone else is trying this. And we're they're that backlogged, which, you know, here we are now. Um, we were in August. Uh, we're two weeks away from school starting mm -hmm. and effectively off of the grid as far as peak season. And yet appraisers are still that far behind. Right. And so that is extremely challenging um, overall to the home buying process, in my opinion. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, it's challenging on lenders to make commitments to consumers because they feel like their hands are tied in my, and I'll let you speak more for that, but no, no. Yeah. I mean, I have one of your agents I'm working with and it's, it's the, the, the first appraisal came back that they would have it done two weeks after the closing date on the contract. And we're like, no, you know, and it's just, so the second company's saying, all right, we can get it done on the day of closing date. We're like, no, we need it a week before. Um, which is why you pay the expediting fee if you can do it. Um, but the agent is like, What's going on? <laughs> so I'm I'm gonna bring something up just real quick. I, I just want to clarify. I have friends that are appraisers. Um, they they're they're professionals. Right. They 
they they are absolutely very good at their job. I'm not really trying to slander them. I'm trying to state no. It's more about the the challenge from the consumer side. Nothing individual. It's more about just that act of the buying process. So, and then let's really talk about exactly how challenging this can become. Okay, okay. And I'm going to give you some very real world scenarios. Uh huh. So let's say um, the buyer's under contract, um, and the expectation was that they're going to get the appraisal done in 21 days. Mm -hmm. Okay. So they have a 35 day close and that's going to be tight. They've got, they ordered it instead of waiting until option is done. Consumers are now trained to order that appraisal instantly. So mm -hmm. they don't waste a week of lead time or, or however many days of option that they're under contract for. They order the appraisal instantly, but let's say that appraisal gets delayed. Okay. And so now all of a sudden the buyer needs to extend the closing date or they're in jeopardy of losing their earnest money for not performing to the contract right. and closing per the contract date. Okay. Let's say that earnest money is $10,000, right? Mm -hmm. And now the, the lender and the appraisal literally are holding the key to, you know, forgive that pun, but to, mm -hmm. to getting to the closing table yeah. and performing under that contract. Right. Well, let's say they're in multiple offer scenario and they have backup offers mm -hmm. and that buyer is like, hey, I can't get my appraisal for another two weeks. We need to extend closing for three weeks. Mm -hmm. What if the seller says, nope, yeah. nope, I'll just take your earnest money and I'll go with the backup offer or better yet. Why don't you cough up more money mm -hmm. <laughs> Yeah, to stay under contract? And this is what we saw. Um, we saw consumers um, you know, get into positions where um, they they physically weren't going to perform to the closing dates. They needed to extend and sellers were leveraging that hard on them. Mm -hmm. Right. And they have every right to do so. Um, they've got people lined up that can and will close on the property um, or just to use it as a leveraging tool. Right. right. And so, again, it, I feel like, you know, lenders started to understand that they were having to, you know, back up their commitments and, and then, you know, this, this kind of snowball effect started happening in my opinion, yeah. where, um, you know, some lenders were being untruthful or, or, or perhaps just, you know, shielding them, the consumer as to what reality is with these timelines yeah. to, to try to earn the business. And, and more importantly, we just saw cash deals keep winning mm -hmm. because as you back up that timeline where quicker. Yeah. I mean, if, if, if a finance deal now takes 45 plus days mm -hmm. and the cash deal can close in two weeks, if I'm the seller, you know, especially if they're paying, let's say they're paying five plus thousand dollars in a mortgage per month, mm -hmm. not to mention, you know, all the utility bills. And more importantly, they've got an acquisition to go get. The seller usually does. Um, and, and the prices on the acquisitions are increasing per month. They have a vested interest to get that property closed and get under contract, right? Mm -hmm. So we saw this, you know, kind of crunch, um, or at least that's my, my personal opinion. No, um, no, I and, agree. Um, and, and I concur. You know, yes, I doctor. talked very extensively about kind of more of the norm on the residential side, but let's, let's kind of talk generically about the, the commercial, mm -hmm. right? So it, Commercial, they use loans as well. They're vastly different from a residential mortgage, um, which is, you know, a lot of those are conforming type loans, right? And and 
almost everything to do with commercial lending is non-conforming, right? And so, but they still have an appraisal process. Now, imagine how much more complex that is when the person is not just acquiring the commercial real estate, they're acquiring the business that operates in that commercial real estate, right? And and what that type of appraisal looks like, right? You're, yeah. you're talking about going through P&L statements, you're, go, you're talking about going through tax returns and, 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 and all the items that make that business, you know, they decide a, a financial value um, to the, to the business along with appraising the actual real property asset, right? right? So a very intense process, especially for the underwriting of that loan. Well, you know, uh, I got a friend of mine um, who sits on the board with lending for hospitality. I mean, they just basically stopped giving out loans for people trying to buy hotels, right? Um, so hotels and in, in hospitality in general, they took a, a major hit during the height of COVID, obviously. Right. I mean, people... Who wants to go stay in a room someone else has stayed in? Right. I mean, well, <laughs> people were in quarantine. Yeah. I mean, right. They weren't that traveling. <laughs> they weren't traveling for business. They weren't traveling for pleasure. pleasure. Um, and and obviously, if you're not doing that, you're, you're probably not going to be staying in a hotel, mm -hmm. you know. And so the the underwriters and, and everything for that type of loan just seized up. Yeah. Right. And so um, the impacts from COVID, again, I think the majority of consumers just talk about what happened to the residential sector. But there was definitely some impacts to uh, commercial as well. Yeah. Now, I think everyone is seeing the signs that, you know, businesses are opened up um, and and likewise, the the lenders, mm -hmm. they kind of organically follow that. Right. And and um, obviously they need to. They, they've got a wheel of business they need to keep turning as well. But mm -hmm. um, I think, you know, I, I think we've probably heard me lecture on this enough, but tell me from well, your end, Alan. Um, what... Real quick, one of our listeners just sent in, you were talking about earlier, the buyers, um, it says appraisal contingency. It says an appraisal contingency is a clause that allows a buyer to dissolve a purchase agreement if a home's appraised value is less than the sale price. That's right. Exactly what you just the said. The buyer's right yeah. to terminate. Exactly. Right? Yep. Yeah, it's it's in the third Thank party you financing there. addendum. So if if you're ever looking for where that clause is, it's in the third party financing addendum. Uh huh. Um, that is, if if you are using a mortgage or a loan, you have to attach that addendum, and it says very specifically in there. It, and and so when I talked about buyers waiving their rights to terminate, mm -hmm. there's technically multiple levels to that. The top level is buyer waives right to terminate. Period. Mm -hmm. Right. A middle level would say, okay, let's take a $500,000 property. Let's say the asking price was 500, but they're under contract for 585. Okay. They could put in there buyer waives the right to terminate up to $500,000. Right. So basically they're saying it needs to come in at asking price and we can cover the remainder if needed. And so really, that's really, that's a very, very, explicit and high liability conversation between a a broker and the consumer right because you are physically signing them up for exposure yeah uh, financial exposure that trek doesn't really want consumers to have you know what i mean there's a reason why they set the terms of of the appraisal termination right and so but again you know we talked about this this conditioning and this training of these buyers now and um Again, we're not supposed to use words like standards or norms, but I can tell you 80 plus percent of the contracts that I see as a broker have some form of 
appraisal uh, termination waiver um, that and, you know, now, will that continue? It's as, just what's happening now. That's right. Well, and now we've we've talked about last week that we are effectively entering a, a neutral market. And what I mean by that is that with school coming back in um, and the peak season coming to a close, that buyers now have, I would say, equal leverage to a seller in a transaction. Mm -hmm. uh, and it, we'll call it a neutral market. We're seeing closing costs now going back in, into the seller's hands or split 50-50. Right. Um, whereas before buyers, again, were just conditioned to take care of those, which was 100% opposite than what we saw before COVID. Right. So, um, but I think, you know, what I would challenge consumers with is understanding the full lending process, right? Mm -hmm. I, I think we just really dove into the appraisals because it's, it's a very hot topic on consumers' minds, especially when imagine if they're like why do i need to sign a termination for a waiver i don't have cash for that well okay then you can't you know right. and, yeah. um and you're gonna have to wait yeah and <laughs> and so but you know i think in general i would like to see um consumers more educated on the full lending process right i i think the words underwriting get kicked around a lot i don't really think most consumers know what that means um and you know obviously we talked about loan origination points and and everything to all those uh fine lines on the settlement statement that, that I, you know i feel like a lot of people that's another there. episode yeah it is. <laughs> um i'll have uh, i'll have connor hayhurst come in on that one one of our uh, branch managers for capital home mortgage he is a professor when it comes to uh all the in and outs as a matter of fact on august 18th with uh laura harrington from sewer title who that's we've right. had on here um we're, we're actually teaching a class to new lenders our cool. new agents uh about what to expect during the whole process of your of, of putting together a loan mm -hmm. for a buyer, you know, on a purchase. Um, so when he's in town, we'll make sure that uh, we uh, get him here for the uh, podcast. Oh, yeah. I mean, I I honestly feel like the average consumer doesn't really know what title does <laughs> other than those are the people that you email back and forth and then yeah. you show up, you see them at closing. Mm -hmm. I don't think they understand what insuring title really means. No, I agree with you 100 percent. They don't. You know, I, I mean, maybe uh, like you said, it's a very small percentage do. You know, those are the ones that always buy. But for someone that is either a first time buyer or a, an agent that's a first time seller, as yeah. far as representing, you know, other than what they've learned in class, mm -hmm. you know, and, and you really don't know or learn until you do it. It's like one of, you know, this, I've learned a lot more than I did taking the class. Uh, sure. For, and, and also through this podcast, thanks to Professor McLean here. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Brian. Um, well, great show today. Appraisals, you know, again, um, I, very knowledgeable people out there are going to, you know, it, hopefully it makes sense a little bit more why it may be taking longer now versus yeah. it did before COVID. Um, it will swing back by back to the norm of, although you don't want to say that to seven to 14 days, but right now it's just, uh, you know, if you get on Twitter and you plug in appraisal, it's everywhere. Twitter? Twitter is everywhere. Oh, Twitter. <laughs> well, no, just uh, people are talking about appraisals everywhere. Oh, I see. I see. I see. Um, so, so there's two things, it is appraisal season. There's two things I didn't talk about specifically with appraisals, and I feel like maybe we do it owe the consumers to to just address these, right? So do it. The first is let's say you get an appraisal in and you disagree with it. Okay. Right? Yeah. Like yeah. can you appeal undervalue? <laughs> what what you know can you physically do? Yes, can you you can appeal it. Does that mean that the lender needs to or excuse me, the lender does the appraiser have a 
obligation um, to work on that appeal? Nope. Mm-hmm. Nope. It'd be a whole new appraisal. And yeah. And then, you know, can you go and get a and new And you one? would lose that first appraisal money. That's right. You have to order another appraisal, but pay it again. You, they are, they're almost like brothers. And one appraiser is rarely going to denounce the appraised value of another one. Um, they, uh, and It's a know, family. Keep it close. Well, you know, they... You don't, like you just said, you don't want to talk bad about the other, you know, right. uh, they're not going to do it. They're not going to be, oh man, what was this guy thinking? Jeez. You do have the right to appeal, but I, the best thing to do, uh, if, if you're a real estate agent out there listening, um, and especially if you're a listing agent, mm-hmm. right, is to meet the appraiser at the appraisal. Um, mm-hmm. I do this quite frequently, especially during COVID. Um, and, and I'm going to mention a very specific example. One of our agents bought a property in our neighborhood, mm-hmm. completely off market. Okay. was never listed. Um, and I supplied a broker price opinion as a third party, um, to help the consumer and the seller have a third party state. This is what I feel the, the price. Yeah, it wasn't an appraisal. It was more of just your it's, opinion. It's a broker price opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that opinion was $900,000. Okay. Right. And I, I outlined it very similar to an appraisal. Okay. I showed, uh, now our Here world is driven by comps, right? right. This, mm-hmm. this is a single family residential property in a single family residential neighborhood. There's no reason to really go outside of comparable market analysis. Right. Yep. But I presented it and, um, they went under contract and, and then he did use a loan. Mm-hmm. And so I met the appraiser at the property and, and the conversation went exactly like this. I'm the broker. Um, this is one of my agents. However, I'm no one is representing this. I presented this broker price opinion as a true third party mm-hmm. and gave him the entire deal um, as a portfolio. And his exact response was, thank you very much. I had no idea what was going on. This property has never been listed. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't really know oh, nice. what to do. And, you know, that is a could have gone two ways wonder, there. That's right. <laughs> yeah. And and really, they they love help. Usually, yeah. you know, thank you for helping me with these comps. That you just mm-hmm. save them a couple of hours huh. of of homework. Hopefully, you may have just gave some agents out there a good idea. You gave me one. Yeah, I mean that's that's a very um, good thing to do. And and I think you know how that's received is it, it it definitely can go both ways, right? And well, you're trying to tell me how to do my job. No. What no, I'm saying, I'm saying is, yeah, no, that's right. <laughs> you, know, you know, but the truth is that brokers, agents, mm-hmm. and appraisers live in two different worlds. Yeah. Right. And it's unfortunate that that's kind of established like that, but mm-hmm. it doesn't really need to be. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so um, the, and then I think the other thing I want to talk about is when does a property have to be reappraised? Okay. And I'm going to give a very classic example. Yeah. So uh, two doors down from me, mm-hmm. uh, we carried a listing. I love three doors down, by the way. Okay, we were uh, we, actually my, I didn't I, it was my my direct next door neighbor. Uh, so we listed the property. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was their secondary home. It was their only home in the United States. They mm-hmm. they are Mexican citizens. Okay, um, they couldn't physically come back during COVID, and uh-huh. so they're like, okay, we're going to sell this property, um, and that was um, August of last year. Right. Okay during the height of you know quarantine lockdown right. blah blah and so we're under contract we are literally one week away from closing the toilet upstairs 
busts in half and floods the entire house. Oh my God. Floods through the dining room. There's an inch of water everywhere, massive insurance claim. Um, and so, um, the insurance, you know, produces the claim. Mm -hmm. We had to demo out, uh, everything that was damaged and we had to restore the property. Okay. Yeah. Um, so we had to build it back mm -hmm. as it was that whole process. We didn't finish until March. Wow. Right? Oh, Jesus. Um, you know, quite a, quite a process. Jesus. But then the appraiser had to come back mm -hmm. because they had to physically establish is, you know, is the property as it was when we did the original appraisal. Mm -hmm. Right. Wow. So just a, a one scenario of when you would have to get an appraisal done again. Right. Is that a, that's not very common though. Uh, I sure hope not. Yeah. <laughs> Walking into a list. See, you can't say norm, but you can say common. Seeing so. it, seeing it rain in the dining room. <laughs> you don't want to duplicate it possible. Yeah. Oh That's God. awesome, man. Um, yeah. Uh, this house has a built-in waterfall. So I think going forward, would I? This is me kind of more talking to us here, but I, I would like to see us maybe every other episode. Mm -hmm. Uh, pick a certain topic yeah. and then do, do some education. Well, when, right again, when Connor comes in, comes in, we will our topic will be new agent. Mm. You know what to expect during a closing. You know, go he'll have him. I'll have him hit to go through the closing from a lender side. Check your bank account every ten minutes. <laughs> yeah. Do not buy a car in the in those thirty days. Oh, <laughs> I mean, hey, I got this great car. What? 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 Man, yeah. I I saw a consumer a finance furniture. Hey. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. I, I, Adrian, it's funny, you know, my girlfriend's uh, been in the business for 26 years and that's like her biggest thing when she's talking with people and going through the, the, the beginning of uh, doing a lend or getting a, a, a financing. She's like, okay, um, it was very nice to meet you and thanks for all the information. Do not buy anything. <laughs> Do not buy anything, especially a car. Don't open a credit card. Don't open a credit card. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm just laughing. <laughs> and you would think people would get that. Anything that hits your credit. Well, the the truth is that especially when you're buying this home, it you know the furniture piece comes into play more often than not, right? Because it makes they, sense because yeah, you you want to be move in ready. They want that furniture to come and this and that and, and you know they, they probably think all right, I'm gonna go buy some furniture. I'll pay cash. They get in there and they're like, hey, by the way, we have zero down. Two years without any interest. Nice. Yeah. I'll do that. Do it. Call your lender, man. It's got some new furniture for the house, you know, zero down, no interest. Wait, what? You did what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, we got to put this off another 30 days. Yeah. You know, um, great show today, man. Brian, you I swear, man, it's funny how the first episode I was just like, man, this guy's a professor. It, you live up to that name. You know, yeah. it could be, you, you could be anything. You just and basically I, had a 45 minute monologue. Yeah. We could talk about ice cream and he's like, oh, you know what? <laughs> when I was a kid, my parents used to make ice cream and this is what goes in it. And you could just 45 minutes about ice cream. It's pretty mm. easy. It's just cream. Mostly. I love it. So anyways, um, uh, <laughs> anyways, you can find us at McLeanResidential.com. McLeanResidential.com. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. Okay. I messed up the other day. I told someone McLeanRealty.com. No, so we have McLeanResidential.com uh -huh. and McLeanCommercial.com. McLeanResidential.com, McLeanCommercial.com. You can find me at LoansByAllenMacArthur.com. That's for Capital Home Mortgage. Um, LoansByAllenMacArthur.com. Harry? You can find me at LoansByHarrison.com. Um, <laughs> just kidding. You can find me on McLean Residential as well. Yeah. Yeah. Congrats again on that, by the way. 
I know it's been about a month now you've been with them. The hangover uh, part four. <laughs> <laughs> the hangover is not that bad. I just didn't sleep very well last night. It's so, okay, you know. Alan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, y'all. Till next week. Till next right. week. Thanks, guys. Later.